Hey, John Harris here with the Rock Metal Podcast. Join me as we get to go behind the scenes into what goes into producing records and making music as we interview some of our favorite and soon-to-be favorite bands. And today we're chatting with Michael Priest of Idolatrous. For fans of Amon Amarth, Death Clock, Insomnium, Flesh God Apocalypse, and Cataclysm, we'll be chatting about Idolatrous's new album, Sorrow on Midgard, recorded, mixed, and mastered by Grady Purcell. We'll get to hear the story about how all of that came to be, some great tips for musicians such as making changes to songs even months after they have been written, and so much more. So please stay tuned to the very end. But first, let's check in with our beautiful sponsors. Asher Media Relations, doing public relations for everything loud. For your band needs to be seen and heard in print, online, and radio, head over to ashermediarelations.com. That's ashermediarelations.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and get your band noticed. Syndical Music is a full-service agency for musicians offering record label services, marketing, branding, production, and management. Head over to syndicalmusic.com. That's syndicalmusic.com. S-Y-N-D-I-C-O-L music.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and take your music career to the next level. Okay, Michael, thank you so much for coming on today. Go ahead and say hello to all of our beautiful listeners. Hello, all of you beautiful listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you on. So let's go ahead and chat about this record, Sorrow on Midgard, Wormhole Death Records, out February 24th. Groovy stuff, or I'd say maybe I should say brutal stuff, but what was the greatest moment for you producing this record? Oh, that's a, that's a good question, damn. Um... I don't know. I think all of it really, because like I would sit there and like write the songs out in my room and just get like super stoked about, about every single one of them. Um, like even the ones that didn't make it on the album. Um, but the ones that really, really stood out, I think were like Prophecy, uh, Star on Midgard and uh, Predecessor. Like I, when I finished those songs and like got the final production on them and I heard everything back, I was like, oh my God, this, this is the idolatrous sound. So I, all of it really, but those three, like, I don't know, beautiful madness. Beautiful madness. Getting super stoked about all the songs, even the ones that didn't make the record, but you'd mentioned Prophecy, Sorrow on Midgard, Predecessor, and you got the record back from being finally mixed and mastered and ready for human consumption. You said, this is the idolatrous sound, beautiful Madness. They did mention some songs, you know, they didn't make the record. I mean, what happened? Did they no longer excite you? Did you just put them down for a little bit? What happened? If I lose the flow of the music. So typically when I write is it's all in one sitting. So I'll, I'll write an entire song in one sitting and then listen to it for like weeks on end and then go back and make like micro changes to it. Um, so when it gets to that point or like if I don't, if I'm not able to finish the song or if I feel rushed to finish it, I'll start throwing in riffs that like they're good riffs. They don't make sense with the song. And then that's where I start losing the interest on it. Okay. Writing a song in one sitting, listening to it for weeks on end, making micro changes to it, but then sabotaging it with random riffs and losing interest on it. But something you did mention though, was you knew when you had the idolatrous sound, you know, creating the idolatrous sound. How did you know you were there? Um, so I got introduced to like melodic death metal and death metal at a very young age. Um, and it was always like more stuff from like Sweden. Um, so like a dark tranquility, I, I had dark tranquility's first album back when Anders was still singing with him when I was like 12 or something. Um, so like I, I started it like very young and then like from that, I ended up getting the sound that I was like, 
at the time I hadn't heard, like I've heard like similarities of it, but like I hadn't heard that sound, like that specific sound. So I started playing guitar and um, figured out how to come up with that sound. And it's just, it, it just got more aggressive along the way. Um, it's like, even from this, this record star on Midgard uh, to compared to what we're working on now, it's like, the sound is still there, but like I can see how much it's evolved. Yeah. But yeah, pinpointing that sound, it it basically I had a sound stuck in my head that I hadn't heard, so I made it. Had a sound stuck in your head that you hadn't heard, so you just knew you had to make it. Excellent, oh my friend. Okay, what was the biggest challenge for you on this record? COVID was the biggest challenge. <laughs> um so oh, we actually that? started <laughs> So we got uh, everything done for uh, the record, uh, all the music videos, all the imagery, um, everything out of production, final, complete, done, finished. Uh, got set up with a management company and we were with them, I think, like three months and we started shopping the album to labels um, and then COVID hit. So tour <laughs> shut down, labels shut down. Uh, our management was still trying to shop for us, but I mean, like with labels down, nothing happened. So it was like, what two years or something um longer than that like labels just started looking at new music like maybe since june or july last year so like we we finished that album at not a great time so that was that was that was the biggest struggle and like <laughs> having to just sit on that album for that amount of time like it, it's been three years that album has been done ready to go for three years now and honestly like it's a good album. I love it. I still love every song on it. I'm happy it's out. <laughs> There's, <laughs> it, it's a little bittersweet, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, sitting on a record for three years, what did you do with that time? Do you now have like an arsenal? Like, you know, like the Ninja Turtles had a pizza shooter gun. Do you have like an album shooter gun? You can just shoot albums? Uh, yes, actually. Um, <laughs> So I was still like working my normal job um, during the entire pandemic. And then like I got laid off eventually. But um, yeah, it was nothing but music for a long time. I, I wrote enough material for like three or four albums. Um, so for for that amount of time, I, I never stopped writing. I never, ever stopped writing. The only time I stop writing is when I'm on tour, um, which I'm actually going to fix. Uh, but we have we're in the production stages for the follow-up album so that's my parts are done uh the guys have it they're finishing up their recordings on it and then album two is done okay very cool stuff now something you mentioned was swedish melodic death metal working on getting the sound for idolatrous and i'm curious are there any pieces of gear that you ended up using on the record and did any of it end up maybe surprising you uh yeah actually um so i use a line six pod hd 500 pro um live usually and uh we actually ended up using that to record the album and i was amazed by it because like i know it sounds good live and like anytime i plug it into my computer it doesn't have quite the same sound when i record um but uh our bassist grady he's like an actual genius so like he knows what he's doing. He did all the production, all the recording, all the engineering, uh, mix master and everything for the album. So he's like, 
we're very, very lucky to have him because he turns our ideas into the actual reality of what we want. Do you know what changed? Like, was it a setting or something? Like, how was it adding in maybe some reverb? Because when it comes out live, mm-hmm. you're hearing natural ambience that might not be right. What what change do you know that maybe Grady did different that you it turned the light on for using the the pod in the studio? Uh, he made a completely new tone on it, and he's like, used this. I'm like, oh my god, that, that's wonderful, and like it was so much simpler than what I had preset before. Um, so like, yeah, he, he just like made a completely new tone and, uh, that's, that's the tone that was on the Sorrow, Sorrow album. And that's the tone that's going to be on the next album as well. So. Wow. Significantly less complicated, which I'm not too terribly surprised. Guitar players are really good at, uh, overcomplicating the crap out of stuff, right? The story of my entire life, man. <laughs> <laughs> you mean I didn't need those six other patches? Yeah. Weird. I don't need Three noise gates? Are you sure? <laughs> are you positive? Right. Bro, are you serious? Uh, if there's a way to complicate things, I'm going to find it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So taking live equipment, live equipment doesn't really translate to the studio often, and that's what you were finding, but working with Grady really helped. And we'll we'll touch base on that a little bit later, but when I wanted to get into some of the themes on this record, the EPK, uh, that I received from Wormhole Death says you know, a lot of things about mm. the the themes on the record. Um, a quote that stuck out, there is no other moment but now. This is what we live for. This is what we die for. Is this album a call to action or maybe just take us through the themes that went into creating this record? Um, the This is what we live for. This is what we die for is actually the in the intro for uh, the song Eternal. And yeah, that that song is kind of a a uh, call to arms. Like, this is it. This is what we do. This is the only thing we know how to do right. So, I mean, like, you took like four four people that aren't don't know how to function in like a normal society and like aren't built for like the day to day job thing. And um, but, like, this is it for us. It, it's the only thing we know how to do right. So we're doing it. Um, so that that's. That's where that quote actually comes from. Yeah, this is what we do. It's the only thing we know how to do. The only thing we know how to do right. We don't fit into that nine to five mold. You're listening in right now. You agree with that? Raise your hand, baby. More to come, but let's go ahead and check in with our beautiful sponsors. Two Mads responsible for producing, mixing, and mastering some of the best metal for over the last 20 years. From Meshuggah to The Haunted to Poison Black, Kemper Profiler packs for guitar players, and Easy Drummer expansion packs for programming drums. Two Madsen can take your production to a level previously unheard. Head over to twomadsen.com. That's twomadsen.com. T-U-E-M-A-D-S-E-N. Click contact, fill out the info for your next project, and let Two know that the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. Wormhole Death is a modern record label, publishing, and film production company born in 2008. Getting signed to this label means global distribution, publishing, and marketing with Wormhole Death's roster of global partnerships. Head over to wormholedeath.com. That's wormholedeath.com. Submit your band and let them know the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. How would you define success at this stage of your career, Michael? I think it's already a, a success that the album is finally out. So, um, like I said, I'm very happy about that. Um, if we were able to do a tour to support the album, that would be fantastic. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really pretty much our entire goal is just music tour, music tour. Like 
that's all we want out of it. Um, money wise. Yeah. It'd be cool to make money. That's not our priority with this album. Um, but like I said, we're just, it's a success to have it out and released and to have people finally be able to hear it. Absolutely. Finally, people can hear it. It's a success that the album is out looking to tour to bring the message to the masses. Now let's get back to working with Grady, who is producing the album and sound engineering the album and doing all the things that make the idolatrous sound. That was that. What was it you said again? The beautiful, <laughs> beautiful madness. Anyway, working with Grady, what was that like? Aside from like the engineering and uh, all the production work, uh, he actually did like all the backing tracks on the album as well. Um, he he always surprises me because like there's parts that um he'll he'll change or like send back to me and be like, hey, what do you think of this? And I'll be like, oh my god, that's what the, what did you do? I don't even know what you did, but it's, it, it, it's awesome. Do it again. Um, um, and that happens pretty frequently. So that's um the biggest part you can see on that for Sauron Midgard is on um, the song The Wolf's Ghost. So like that middle kind of bridge section. Uh that that was all Grady's work. Like he'll just take I I, I think I had some part in there that was like kind of a, like a circle pit riff. So like it was much faster and he like slowed it way down. I'm like, oh that's that's different and I like it. So Okay, very cool. Did he slow it down like I'm just going to say Pro Tools. Did he slow it down in Pro Tools, or was that more of a production decision outside of something that, say, had already been recorded? It was a completely different riff. Like, completely different riff, completely different structure. Okay. Okay. So he yes. produced the record as well? Very cool. So then you mentioned earlier on in the interview that, um, Michael, you'll come up with everything. Kind of yep. almost sounds like by yourself in your room. What was what was the process from there? You kicked it off to Grady, and Grady sort of started taking a look at it and figuring out how he can make or manifest that vision. Or was it more uh, between the two of you? How did it work? Uh, typically, yeah. Um, I'll I'll write the songs just sitting in my room. I'll email them to him, um, and then he'll he'll do his thing on them. So some songs he touches, some songs he doesn't. Um, sometimes a song will be done for months and then he'll just like get this random idea and be like hey i did this on this song it's like oh I, I thought we were done with that but okay cool i like it sounds good so uh, yeah that's pretty much <laughs> the how we do the writing yeah would you say that that maybe is a bit of a blessing in that the record took so long to come out because months down the road if there was an idea to i don't know change one lyric line or change a guitar part or something it could be done yeah um once once we decided the album was like done done that didn't happen anymore though so like once we had everything like right right released to like the management company and uh getting shot to labels like we didn't go back and fix change anything keeping it flexible right up until the point where you know you got to make that decision the time is now it is done okay now, what is the number one thing you would like people who are listening to the podcast right now to do? Um, I would say listen to the record. Uh, not just listen to it. I'd listen, I would say listen to it from start to finish. So it's not blatantly apparent, but there is a story there. So, yeah, I think that'd be it. 
listen to the record. And Michael, you just gave a spoiler alert. You said that there's actually a story to it. How strong of a story? Take, without giving away too much, tell us about this story. That's a difficult one to answer. You ask good questions. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, like, <laughs> I appreciate you too. Uh, some of the other interviews I've done, it's like, what do you think of our website? I'm like, it's cool. Why do I give a fuck about your website? Yeah. It's, it's cool, man. <laughs> um, that, that's a, yeah. I'm kind of stumped on that question, actually. <laughs> actually, um, I think the simple answer for the story for the album is it, it is the story. Think of it as like a old Viking warrior from like a very young age until death. Um, it's a somebody's lifespan from their perspective would be the simple answer. Okay. So the story to the album is an old Viking warrior from a very young age until death. So somebody's, I almost want to make it diminutive. Somebody's little life. Yes. You know, it's, it's um, like scripture, right? I mean, not to get religious, it's just scripture. It's like one person's tiny little life in the span of, of humanity and the span of earth out of everybody on the planet. We're going to focus in on, this guy and we're going to follow this guy for all the rights and all the wrongs. That's the very loose answer. Yeah. Um, I, I, everything, everything in that album is written from the perspective of the person in the song. Beautiful. Okay. So you say you're working on material for the next, you know, album. What could we expect without giving away too much information? Um, this next album's very different. Uh, it's still, Still very heavy, very melodic, um, but we kind of went about it in a different approach. Um, I think it's like more, there's more feeling in it. Like uh, we put more emotion into this one, I think. Um, yeah, oh, no, this one will get you in the, feel, the feels. Like there's some songs that, on there, like as I was writing the lyrics, I'm like, oh my God, like, oh, am I depressed? Like what the hell's wrong with me? But um, it's, it's turned out like so far. It's turned out incredibly beautiful and dark, and like it, it still has like the same aggression, but in in a different kind of a way. Um, I, I don't know how much more I could say on it. And you don't have to worry about a single thing, my friend. So for everyone listening in right now, that is a new album in the works from Idolatrous. It's got more of the feels. But today we are chatting about Sorrow on Midgard, the debut album from Idolatrous, released through Wormhole Death Records. Go ahead and go to therockmetalpodcast.ca. There you can get today's show notes, the transcripts for today, music videos, ways to connect with Idolatrous. So you can make sure to pick up that album, check it out, and follow that amazing story of the young man to the old man, the old Viking warrior. Speaking of which, Michael, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of the Rock Metal Podcast. Stay tuned because next week we're going to be chatting with the king of the band, Marvel. They've got a double disc set showcasing the last 20 years of their career. We'll be talking about the highs and the lows of it all. Go ahead and hit subscribe in your podcast player, share it with your friends, and I'll see you next week. 